Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here. I want to start uh, this morning off by first introducing myself. Hi, I'm Calvin, and I'm a recovering perfectionist. And, and I did get a, uh, an okay and a permission by Pastor Ben to mention this about him. Uh, he's being a good sport. In his last message, Pastor Ben mentioned recently that he is tone deaf. So if he can't sing in tune, he's going to do what he does best, sing louder. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me, but good for him. But very few people can actually sing with perfect pitch. Only about 1 in 10,000 people have this rare ability. That's almost less than one hundredth of a percent. And even if you have this natural talent for perfect pitch, you have to continuously train and practice to maintain that ability or you lose it. I mean, who doesn't like perfect? The perfect steak, the perfect job, the perfect spouse, maybe even the perfect church? Today, we'll be in the last entry in our current message series that we've called Blind Spots. And blind spots are areas that you cannot see but should and they're not just physical, but also spiritual. We all have them, both individually and corporately as a church. And the consequences of not dealing with our blind spots can be detrimental. But God has a plan for us to deal with them, which CLC has memorialized in a document we call the Prayer Action Plan. This is something that the leadership did back in about 19, the late 1990s and was then officially adopted in 1999. We are covering six spiritual blind spots that historically our leadership identified 25 years ago that our faith community is prone to and subsequently infects our church. I started the series with the blind spot of self-reliance that draws us away from the dependence on Jesus. Pastor Ben spoke then on our tendency to avoid healthy conflict resolution that prevents unity. He then covered the blind spot of pridefulness or an inward focus that prevents us from having compassion for others. Pastor Eric spoke on busyness that distracts us from our relationship with God. And last week, Caitlin warned us of the dangers of seeking material affluence and status as our false security. And today, we're going to look at the blind spot of perfectionism an issue that hits home for me personally. This is something I have to be aware of in myself, and some days are better than others. To introduce this idea of perfectionism, I want to show this video clip that kind of pokes fun at the culture that many of us come from. So why don't we play that video for us? See, only cares about what he likes, need to focus on study. That's like Annie and her book. Read, read, read. Always writing on the computer. A teacher tell me she read at college level. Ah, she wrote paper for school, won a award, and got published in book. She said she want to major in English in college. What kind of job can you get at an English major? Ah, Dad is always on the computer. I tell him not to play so many games. But, so he made his own game. Huh? He sold it on the internet. It's so popular. He got published in this magazine. Ah, yeah. Call him the young entrepreneur, and he bought me this watch for my birthday. 
Aiyah, I tell him not only in his own business are too risky. Better get a good job and be a doctor. The kids are not serious about college. I tell Annie to do SAT drill every weekend. She got perfect score on verbal SAT. I tell her she need to work on the math. Did you hear that Mrs. Lin's daughter got 2,400 on the SATs? <gasps> Perfect score on the first try. Thank you. And she got the Harvard early decision and 25 scholarship. <gasps> Pay for the whole thing. Annie, come, 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 Dan. Kids, from now on, you have to take college much more seriously. Uh, you have to practice writing the practice essay now. From now on, we do SAT tests every day together. But, but mom... We're 10! <laughs> uh, I apologize if that brought back uh, some terrible memories for some of you. <laughs> Although this uh, video is comedy, there is some truth to it. In a world that endorses meritocracy, the pursuit of perfection is often highly rewarded and even considered by many noble. I mean, who doesn't admire musicians and athletes who strive for perfection? Even some professions which many of you are in demand it, like accountants and healthcare workers. And I know my patients, when I was a practicing dentist, appreciated I be perfectionistic rather than be mistake prone in my surgical procedures to restore their teeth. For some, perfectionism can have some good but there is also a very bad side. At its best, perfectionism fuels progress and achievements, self-discipline, and positive motivation. But perfectionism can also become toxic and harmful to oneself and to others if we go overboard, especially if it leads to thinking that your self-worth depends on your accomplishments and always being perfect, which we all know is impossible. Perfectionism can cause you to become depressed, burnt out, anxious, fearful, and all of these feelings I have experienced myself. So what is perfectionism? Well, psychologist Susan Albers defines perfectionism as the pursuit of flawlessness, and is a term that can be used to describe a person's way of life or how they approach tasks and challenges. She continues, it's a common personality trait that many people can develop. Being a perfectionist means having very high and exact expectations and standards. It's working and striving for things to be just right. So what is God's plan to deal with perfectionism? Well, as usual, we will turn to God's word for counsel. And I want us to look at the Book of Romans, in particular, chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it to Romans 15 and follow along. I'm sure it's going to be shown in the screens behind me. So reading from Romans 15, verses 1 to 7. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. 
May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to praise, bring praise to God. And that is the word of the Lord. And uh, before we uh, dive deeper into this passage, let me pray for us to prepare, that, to prepare for that time. Heavenly Father, help us to see, hear, know what you want us to experience, more specifically this morning on the blind spot of perfectionism. Transform us through your word that never returns void. Show us a way to wholeness and vitality of life in Jesus Christ, a way that is different to what we may be comfortable or familiar with. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves honestly, to reveal our blind spots that can prevent us from knowing you and harm us in ways we are not even aware of. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray this in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Perfectionism can show itself in us in so many different ways. But I'm just going to point out three that seems to be covered in Romans 15. A little background for all of us. The book of Romans was a letter written to the early church uh, at Rome by the Apostle Paul. And this church was not planted by Paul himself, but likely started by the Roman Jews who were converted on the day of Pentecost. The church was a volatile mix of Jewish and Gentile believers. And at the time of the writing of this letter by Paul, there was a lot of tension between these two groups of believers. Now, that shouldn't surprise us if we are aware historically about the Jewish opinion of any non-Jew at that time. And this biased attitude carried over into the early church where it was still difficult for Jewish Christians to accept non-Jews into their faith community. Which brings me to my first point about perfectionism. Perfectionism leads to unrealistic expectations and unreasonable standards. The Jewish Christians were a very proud group of people because they had a lot of religious customs and traditions and a very long history with God as God's chosen people. With this high view of themselves, they unfortunately looked down on the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were not worthy, and considered the Gentiles not worthy, of what the Jewish Christians thought were the standards of being a Christian. And Paul wanted to address this, to stop this, when he wrote this in his letter. Romans 15, 2 says this, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. What a novel concept. To build people up as opposed to tearing them down. And I want to emphasize what Paul wrote in verse 2. To build people up for their good, not your or my good. One commentary says this, Our Christian convictions must not be a disguise for cold-hearted treatment of our brothers and sisters. And another way to say this is, don't lead with doctrine, but instead with love. Of course, this doesn't mean we want to be people pleasers, but does imply setting aside our agendas for the sake of building others up. 
Imagine how much better this world would be if we all did this. And personally, this was a very hard lesson for me to learn, especially as a young parent, that my children are not supposed to be exactly like me. And I have to confess that I was pretty tough on my kids as a young dad, whether it was with academics, sports, or just life in general. But fortunately, God taught me to stop exasperating my own children. And as I got more mature in my faith and more experienced as a father, thank God my kids had their mother to balance me out, to walk alongside my children in their own life journeys and becoming who God wants them to be. I already shared that I'm a recovering perfectionist. If you're like me and struggle with perfectionism, go ahead, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So go ahead, say that to a neighbor if that's something you confess of. (laughs) And don't be too humble out there. (laughs) So I hope you feel better by doing that, and that's good. It's good to state the obvious. And I bet many of you here can appreciate the humor in this meme that I found on the internet. And it's about the Asian parent grading standards. That an A is average, B is below average, C, you can't have dinner, D, don't even come home, and F, you better find a new family. Fortunately, my parents were not like that, but due to my own perfectionism, I am much harder on myself than they were. And as I grow in my faith in Christ, Jesus continues to free me from the bondage of perfectionism. As Christians, we are supposed to be joy-filled people, but perfectionism, the dark side of perfectionism, just sucks the, the joy out of you. Anything short of perfect is a failure, and that is so wrong. And thankfully, God does not, does not see us that way. Believe it or not, and I know it's hard to believe, I do make mistakes. And I know my wife is probably rolling her eyes right now. I mean, we all do. Truthfully, we all know we are not perfect. And for sure, we cannot live a perfectly holy life. Because we sin. Paul acknowledged this about everyone in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know sin leads to spiritual death. But God so loved us, he gave the world the gift of life through his son Jesus. And in Romans 6.23, Paul encouraged us with this truth. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my friends, that's good news. Sadly, perfectionism can infiltrate the church like we saw in the case of the Roman church. When people are looking for the perfect church to attend and they think they found it, the joke is once they join that so-called perfect church, that church is not perfect anymore because of them. And perfectionism can sneak up on us in the guise of the pursuit of excellence in church ministry. But do you know, excellence is not perfection. 
Giving God our best is one thing, but we have to be careful to not let perfectionism take over when striving for excellence because this can have the negative effect of inhibiting ministry development and leadership development at the same time, which was an issue we identified decades ago as a blind spot for our church. Because we knew we had a lot of perfectionists in our midst from our culture, from our strong work ethic, we knew we had to make changes. Having excellence as a value can unknowingly set up unreasonable, unattainable high standards, which stifles building up to church. For example, pastoral candidates and potential ministry staff personnel are evaluated against man-made job descriptions that rarely anyone can possibly meet 100%. It's a wonder anybody gets hired. Applying this to volunteers, we often disqualify people to serve even before giving them a chance. And to make matters worse, on their own accord, people with perfectionistic tendencies disqualify themselves, thinking they could never measure up to their imagined standards of leadership. And circling back to verse 2 in Romans 15, this perfectionism that comes from the form of excellence is in tension with Paul's instruction to build people up. That's why I love it when we have youth serving on our worship teams. And Pastor Ben can sing out of tune as loud as he wants. And in the spirit of verse 2, I have to remind myself, that's okay. Question for us to consider, who in your circles does God want you to build up? In your family, in your workplace, here at church. Perfectionism leads to unrealistic expectations and standards and eventually leads to my second point, which is procrastination. Procrastination is the telltale trademark of all perfectionists. And you've all heard of paralysis by analysis, right? Well, perfectionists are prone to the syndrome of trying not to make a mistake and overanalyzing a problem to the nth degree. They overthink a situation and have difficulty making a decision to do something that usually is very hard for them, resulting in them being slow to act. Now, heaven forbid, if you ever go to lunch with a bunch of perfectionists and you want to go to lunch and it's time to make a decision to where to go. Is it Chinese food? Is it tacos? Maybe it's burgers. Suddenly, analysis paralysis sets in. Self-doubt, fear of failure, anxiety creeps in. And feeling overwhelmed, the perfectionist just gives up and avoids doing anything, postponing to another day what needs to be done like yesterday. So what do you think God wants us to do when we find ourselves stuck in the mud from perfectionism? Well, I want to remind us of one of our prior commitments in this series, the first one I mentioned in the first week, to make prayer our first priority in planning and decision-making. 
to invite God into the process to hand over to him our struggles and burdens. So the first step is just pray. And I know those are the moments that have given me total relief whenever, whenever I'm in that position and stuck. Also, this year, the pastors feel as, as a church, we should rediscover our passion for the word of God. So when we find ourselves at a dead end, turn to scripture for counsel. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I think Romans 15, verses 4 to 6 can help with procrastination due to perfectionism. Paul wrote this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind, one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our knowledge of Scripture influences our attitude of the present and the future. The more we understand what God had done in the past that is recorded for us in the Bible, the greater our trust will be in what God can do in the future. Scripture, according to Paul, gives us endurance, encouragement, and hope that can overcome procrastination. When we are perfectionists, when we are trying to make that perfect choice or decision, our minds are like divided. Is it this way or that way? Is it option A or is it option B? Or even maybe option C? And verse 6 reminds us when we are wavering, Scripture gives us endurance, encouragement, and hope that results in one mind and one voice that glorify God. Another way to say this, not my imperfect will, but God's perfect will be done. One of the commands Jesus gives us is to share the good news with others. And we have been encouraging you to do this with at least one person this year in your circle of relationships. But realistically, it's not likely many of you have taken up that invitation from us. Often, we procrastinate in sharing the gospel with others because we think we can't make the perfect presentation. What do I say? What if I make a mistake? What if they are offended or get, at, get mad at me? So we overthink this, we procrastinate, and avoid doing what is uncomfortable for us ending up losing out on an opportunity to be obedient to God's command. Just this past week, one of our staff members asked for prayers for herself as she prepared to share the gospel to her parents. So it was a joy for many of us to be able to pray for her, to do something she likely struggled with and had been putting off for quite some time. Because I know that feeling. Because the hardest people are those that are closest to us. And that was the case with my own father. I knew my dad had gone to church when he was uh, a teen. He got baptized. He sang in the choir. 
He even gave me his Bible when I was a young kid, and that started my own personal journey with God. But my father never really spoke about his faith in our family, maybe because life got busy, and at the time, no one else in the family was interested. Eventually, I became a Christian, obviously, and uh, I never had, but I still never had the courage to confirm if my, stat, my dad still believed in Jesus. But at the end of his life, when the doctors told him he, as he was uh, sitting in his hospital bed, that at best he had only a few more months to live, I felt God nudging me to overcome my procrastination. In a private moment with my father in the hospital, I asked him if he still believed that Jesus was the Son of God, whether or not he believed in the commitment he made when he got baptized. And to my joy, my father said yes. And from that response, I know today that he is in heaven with our Heavenly Father. Paul said this to Timothy, for the Spirit of God gave us, gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And my last point, perfectionism leads to a critical spirit. Remember that scenario I gave earlier about a group of people that include perfectionists going out to lunch and having a hard time deciding where to eat? Well, perfectionists have another attribute. And if I continue that narrative, when a choice is finally made, especially where you're going to go eat, a perfectionist is not happy about the food. They just complain and criticize to no end. And not pointing fingers, we all know we've been there. Perfectionism demands really high standards which are neither achievable nor sustainable. When we expect people to measure up to those unreasonable standards and they fail, perfectionists give feedback that sound more like criticisms. And this goes totally against what Romans 15, say, 15 7 instructed us to do. Verse 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jesus himself said this to his followers, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This morning, I know some of you need to hear what I'm about to say. Some of you are smiling on the outside, but crying on the inside. Especially with all the things currently going on in your life, your work, your families, your faith. People are disappointed in you. You're disappointed in yourself. Life is just not going perfectly the way you had planned. You're a total mess and ready to give up. You're hurting and struggling to stay afloat. Or maybe you don't feel anything. You're just numb. Well, hear this. Loud and clear, Jesus loves you. You are not a failure. You are not worthless. Paul assured us in Romans 18, verse 1, there is 
now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So stop judging yourself. Stop judging others because Jesus doesn't. And be careful to not have a critical spirit because this can be so toxic and harmful to you, to the church, to your faith. So let go of perfectionism and extend grace to yourself and to others because Jesus loves imperfect people. We should do the same because if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus is ready to lift you up when you have fallen down, so do the same. Jesus comforts you when you are in pain, so do the same. Jesus runs to you when you are alone, so do the same. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So a question for all of us to consider. Do you want to be known for your excellence, or do you want to be known for your grace? Is there someone God is asking you to extend grace to this week? Maybe it's to your own child, to your spouse, your parent, a coworker, a classmate, a neighbor. Think about it and do something about it that would please Jesus. Next week on Wednesday, it's not just Valentine's Day, but it's also Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. And it's a time where Christians all over the world are preparing for Easter. This is a time of self-reflection when we confess our failings and resolve to live a more godly life based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. And for this Lenten season, I want to invite you to take that prayer action plan, that document, as a guide for your quiet time and pray each week for one of these blind spots for yourself and the church. And um, I'll try to post a link in our e-news so you'll have access to that, that document for your quiet times if you choose to do so. Our purpose for going through these six blind spots is not just to know them, to make, uh, but to make us reflect on how they apply to us. And more importantly, and I think this is something that's been emphasized each week, it's not just to hear them, study them, know them, but it's to cause us to repent, to repent of these blind spots. Because without repentance, change and transformation cannot happen. You can't just read these blind spots and jump to action steps without repentance. Because actually the most important part is the repentance part. And that's what God's looking for. Repent and ask for God's forgiveness. Then pray for yourself and for the church to make steps then to proactively deal with these spiritual blind spots that if we're all honest, we have them. Amen? As the worship team comes up to prepare for our response to his word, um, they're going to lead us in a song that has special meaning to me, especially as a recovering perfectionist. Um, I've been requesting this song for years, and Caitlin finally <laughs> agreed. Um, it was sent to me by a good friend who knows me very well. 
years ago. And that song has lifted me up many times, especially when I felt like a failure in ministry. And I hope you're blessed by the lyrics as we continue our time of worship. So let me pray for us as we close this time. Father God, <clears throat> we renounce perfectionism that makes us slow to act, inhibits ministry and leadership development, and fosters a critical spirit. We announce that in Christ we are accepted and have experienced his grace. We affirm that God calls us to accept one another just as Christ accepts us in order to bring praise to God. And we will commit to extend grace to others and encourage people to minister boldly without fear of failure or criticism. Now to him who is more than able, to the one and only wise God, be glory forever through Christ Jesus. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.